Uh, <laughs> Hello and bon venue, everybody. I thought we were all on the air. <laughs> it's a red button that says S-T-A-R-T <laughs> that you have to have to hit. <laughs> oh, God, help me. <laughs> you think I'd know what I was doing by now. <laughs> oh, my life, my life. So, ladies, we are at the cafe, and... Um, <laughs> Welcome, bienvenue. Bienvenue. And we're at the Cafe du Sofolite, and which is right across the street from Acacia's apartment. And, uh, oh, my Lord, we are just having so much fun here. We've been enjoying coffee. I know and Pam's getting some wine. wine. too much wine, I think. <laughs> I think. I think we probably went straight to the whiskey there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the cognac, right? Yeah, you could have a nice cafe au lait with a little bit of whiskey in it. That would help. <laughs> I think so. I think so. So glad to see so many of you on air today on yeah. the podcast. Really happy to see everyone. Yes. Hi, Kez and Jennifer and Lori and Johnny. And Betty was on. Um, come back again. Hi, Betty. And there's uh, Teria. Teria. I hope I oh, yes. that correctly. I'm sorry. Tierra. And, Tierra. Uh, so we just wanted to go over a few announcements. The podcast is finally up on iTunes, and I got it yesterday. And yes, it congratulations is. Yes, on being the... able to get the official approval. Yes, now we're it. official. We're official, and you can download us from there. Um, and Jen, it is uh, snowing slightly in here. We are having the beast from the east hit. So, uh, you know. We'll, we'll deal with it because Paris is so beautiful in the snow. <laughs> and, so. Yes, it is. Yes. So as far as our other podcasts going, we have that we have going on, we have uh, Gabriel's Rapt- uh, Redemption, uh, which is the Gabriel's Inferno fan podcast, and they are on Sundays at 5 p.m. And if I'm not mistaken, Betty, you're going over Chapter 2 this week. That's right. Chapter 2 of Gabriel's Redemption, I believe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, we also have um, Trilogia de Gabriel, which is broadcasting on Saturdays at 3 o'clock uh, Mexico time. Uh, Noites Influencia are doing as much promo as they can with pod- with the uh, um, editors to get the Roman and all uh, man in the black suit in Portuguese and I think that would be really nice since the story is sort of centered around a, a Brazilian character it would be nice to be able to read it in your own language absolutely we'll have to support that effort as much as we can absolutely and my timer's going off for the dinner that my son didn't want to take with him so I forgot to turn mm-hmm. the timer off um also, uh, SR is writing a book four of, of the Gabriel series, which is very exciting. Uh, Noches Influencia is uh, broadcasting, putting up their podcasts uh, in Facebook and so that they can be done. And they're also trying to get the Spanish language versions of the books together. Uh, Noites Influencia is also doing uh, 
a big promo on the 8th of March. So if anybody, if you're in Twitter and you see something come from them, you can also, you can put that out, retweet it. Uh, <laughs> good news is coming. Now, last week in our chat room, we had great news, big news. It's coming. Could be in a couple <laughs> of weeks or a couple of weeks after that. So I'm figuring it's between one and four weeks. <laughs> the news is coming since it was last week. I'm hopeful, but I'm I'm willing to wait months. I'm willing to wait wait months because SR's news is never disappointing. No, it isn't. No, it is not. So. Very exciting. Oh, I'm laughing because uh, <laughs> Betty said she thought you were in the woods with Gabriel when she heard the <laughs> alarm. <laughs> yeah, I I did um I did walk through the orchard a little bit, but don't tell Julia that. <laughs> Nothing and, happened though. We were discussing <laughs> design of a place where you can go into the orchard and enjoy one's company without having to I deal love with it. sticks and stones on on the ground with a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Mm-hmm. Betty was saying the good news will probably come when we least expect it, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> and uh Lori was joking about uh, thinking that it was Betty's sound effect. <laughs> Not your alarm, but her sound effect. Jennifer says if she misses a comment, uh, it's because she's working a bit. And uh, we'll have to have you tell her to take a look. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes, research, Betty. Research. Yes, research. That's, that's actually... One of SR's favorite things to do, right, ladies? Research. Research and ha ha ha's. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> also last week on the Twitter chat with Nicholas, we asked if possibly Acacia could join us uh, for chat yes. sometime. And uh, we were told that he would be able to. So, uh, Keep a lookout for when that happens. Hi, Lynn. Hi, yes, Lynn. Acacia and Nicholas yes. both are going to be able to join us at points in the future. So yes. we're very excited about that. Mm-hmm. So that's, he was uh, very forthcoming in the Twitter chat. I thought Nicholas. Yes, he was. He doesn't, but he and the cat don't really get along too well. <laughs> <laughs> this which is true. Is, this is true. Which is too bad. <laughs> Although some cats can be rather, rather independent on that. End. Yes. Not, not my little kitten, wherever she went off to. She's uh, usually sitting by my side at all times. I thought she'd be part of the podcast. No, that's usually Walter. Walter will bark for the podcast <laughs> at times, especially when William walks through the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in the prologue, we've, uh, I, you know, going through that, we're in Colony, Switzerland, in the uh, Kasserer uh, Museum, and... Uh, <laughs> It's December 2007, and I'm noticing that uh, Reva is being pestered on the phone. Is only a little brother can pester someone. I had a little sister, so I know a little bit about pestering, not as bad. (laughs) And she's like, stop pestering me, and I'm almost finished. So apparently uh, her little brother um, is... uh, telling her that if she doesn't hurry up and get finished that he's going to come pick her up and we've been waiting for her for you now this caught Reva's attention because she used to use the word wait now 
I know my son, I think uh, when he brought a girl home, it wasn't that often. For me, it wasn't that often. I usually had to date somebody for about a month before I brought him home. <laughs> um, but Patrick brought, I think he brought three specific feet girls home between high school and, and now. And uh, a couple that he brought over in groups so that there wasn't, wasn't to be mistaken that there was anybody special. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the best, though, was I think he was a senior in high school and his girlfriend at the time. I walked past his bedroom and I looked in his room and his all I saw were four feet hanging out the end of his bed. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it was it was very interesting. So anyway, so she's really <laughs> excited that, you know, she, that he's brought somebody home. Right, and, to meet uh, the parents. Yeah, to meet my mom and papa. And to and, meet her, to meet to get the sister's approval. Exactly. And uh, he, he asked if the security system was on and, you know, hurry home. So she, she says, I always keep going a little bit after hours, and, and Terry's doing his rounds, and Terry's the security guard. And uh, so then she said she's on her way. So, you know, you, you know, she's got a, an interesting role in the family, doesn't she? She absolutely does. I mean, she's really carrying on one of the, um, and really a caretaker of one, some of the family treasures, really. Um, at the museum, she serves as the curator and really has a love of the art and a love of the preservation of these beautiful works. And I... I was struck by this when we were reading the prologue about how SR always seems to weave in art throughout the books. And I know in different podcasts we've talked about that. Um, but it seems, you know, having her as this character, as a curator, as the art historian, um, just continues to carry on the themes that we've seen in the Gabriel series and, of course, in. Uh, the Florentine series, mm -hmm. and I, I just, I've, I've always enjoyed that about SR's work, um, because I think he also highlights the fact that art is important, and art helps us define who we are as a culture and as a civilization, mm -hmm. so I just, I, I, she takes her role very seriously there, um, and I know she, one of the reasons why she uh, wants to keep things going yes um judith is just saying yes that she's a curator just like raven mm -hmm. and i think that's one of the reasons why she tends to keep the lights dim um in order to protect and preserve the art true and i think but i think also in her office like fluorescent lighting i don't know how you are with it but i know mm -hmm. I, I i it bothers me so she has like a uh, like a desk lamp like an old banker's lamp that she keeps on her desk but I yeah, fluorescent lights just really kill me. So, but, but basically, the the it, it's dark for the art, and which is very important. And you know, just also the time of day. I mean, uh, it's time to close up. You want to go home. You want to go meet the brother's girlfriend. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you know that that's she's called the so she has called the um, security guard and to come and and 
help walk her out the door and she's waiting and waiting and she's uh not he's not getting anywhere he's not coming along and uh so she decides she's just going to start going out by herself and exactly you know and, and she's got a lot of things on her mind just talking you know thinking about her brother and and how this must be a real serious romance that he's in and she checks to make sure that her office is uh, locked and she's walking through the museum which is usually dim and uh, she tells us that there's individual pieces that receive special attention which I you know right right it, and, and I know in the chat room, we see that Jennifer said that she adores the art that's incorporated into SR novels because she's always learned so much from this. Yes. Uh, Lorraine agreed. And then Judith had commented that Nicholas really wants her approval. She, he, he really wants her approval of uh, this woman that he's seeing. Mm-hmm. It's true. And, you know, I think that's important because I, I think that anybody whether it be whether it was my son bringing somebody home or me bringing somebody to my home to my parents to meet my parents it was important that they that they would that we all mesh together it was important that my mother and my husband my late husband could tease each other back and forth and they were very good at it right and (laughs) and with my sister and you know and as far as I'm concerned with my brother-in-law, I tolerate him. <laughs> He's a very good person, but I tolerate him. And well, and it's family dynamics, right? Yes, it, it's yes. showing, and I know earlier in the chat, which I didn't get to mention, I know Judith said it's important in families when you're tight to have the approval. And Betty said this shows how close they truly are as a family. Yes. And I think that's what makes it difficult um, as as things turn and as she's locking up and looking for the security guard mm-hmm. and when she came to this juncture of realizing that uh, there is not there mm-hmm. and somebody else is yeah she get you know it's it's like you know what's going on here and she sees something like off in the peripheral vi- vision after she's she's uh, walking around, she's even saying goodbye to some of the paintings or good night, sleep well. Yes, um, sleep well, old friends. Yes. I love that quote. Yeah, that was a good quote. Mm-hmm. But she notices out of her peripheral vision the outlines of figures, and some of them are holding flashlights. And uh, she she I, she went to she sort of did a <gasps> and caught herself. And when she did that, um, they turned the flashlights toward her. And they started coming towards her, and mm-hmm. they were dressed in the, these thieves were dressed in dark clothing, and these wore ski masks. And when she cried out, uh, one of the figures turned the, and shone the light into her eyes, which blinded her. And she, being that she was, she jerked backwards, and being unsta- unsteady uh, on high heels again, high heels. Why is it with him with high heels? Um, he loves the, his high heels. He, that he does. Um, the loud footsteps echoed and the intruder raced towards her and she fought to regain her balance but couldn't and so the guy grabs her hair and she yells no and everything falls out of her arms and at that point uh, he takes the flashlight and bops her on the head right and at that point I when I read that I mean that 
scene was hard to read when you could kind of feel that palpable fear that's kind of coursing through one's veins when there's something inherently wrong and you know it's wrong. And then, oh my gosh, I've been discovered and it's, it's frightening. And I was wondering at that point, um, I was wondering at that point if there was indeed what the damage was to her, what happened to her because she it just she kind of blacks out. Yeah, yeah. And what happened with the security guard too? I mean, did did they was he a part of this? Was did they take him out? Right. You know, right. So and. It, and we kind of leave that chapter not knowing what was going on. Right. Mm -hmm. Betty, Betty was uh, saying she was scared for her, but she's hoping she only suffered a concussion and nothing else. Noni, hi, Noni. You're not late. It's We're, we're, we're good. And uh, Métis, Métai, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Um, she also said the Conqueror sacks other towns and... and with their rich build of art. Yes, and I, I think that uh, I saw a comment earlier. Uh, the concept's hard because a lot of it has to do with money and power and the capability of uh, domination in one country. And I think I think that's something you could actually explore and discuss um, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And we don't have that background of where this artwork came from, right? right. But there's a lot. Art happens at all levels, in all, in all forms, in all countries, mm -hmm. at from the young to the old, and it it is an interesting concept to know if this is art that was indigenous to the region, if this is art that was made in one place and brought somewhere else. There's a huge discussion mm -hmm. um, internationally about uh, the rights of the country of origin mm -hmm. and I know that's something maybe that's some, a discussion we can look at um, as we move forward right but it's it's really uh, and I think that's one of the interesting themes talking about art and curation of art mm -hmm. it really opens up not just the artistic and the aesthetic discussion but of you know of what art means in the world mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's true that's true. So, a very interesting prologue, and I think it really sets the stage. It does. Um, and it kind of leaves you hanging and not knowing if we're going to um, find out what happens. Yeah. You kind of assume you will. Mm -hmm. Right. Will you meet Riva? Will you meet Theory? So, um, and then the chat room, uh, Betty mentioned that the scene was not as violent as the attack Raven suffered, but it was hard to read. It's, yes, yes. And it wasn't, and yeah. unfortunately, it wasn't as bad as Raven. Mm -hmm. so. Thankfully. Thankfully. So, so now that, we head on to chapter one. And we're back in Paris. Ah, uh, present day. Uh, present day Paris. And uh, so the, the man in the black suit gets out of the limousine. And mm -hmm. he's in front of the Hotel Vitois on Avenue Georges Cinq. So that's a very ritzy part of um, Paris, Jersey, uh, and there's a lot the ritzes in that area. Um, there's a, a lot of the major, big, 
you know, five-star type hotels are there. And, uh, but beautiful. And it's just a short distance from the Champs-Élysées. Yes, Betty. And Betty's saying we have to put on our berets. I and have I just... mine, actually. I brought <laughs> <laughs> it home. <laughs> and I see that KK Karen's joined us. Hi, Hi KK. Karen. Bonjour. We're talking about the fact that we're in Paris, Chapter 1, present day. And Pam and I were talking when we were preparing for the podcast about, you know, it's not surprising SR set the book in Paris. It's one of the world's great cities. There's a mm-hmm. art and cultures, food and wine. It's, it's really one of the, the major centers of Western art and culture. Mm-hmm. And I think having that large international city, um, you know, bringing together lots of different cultures, lots of different uh, people and languages. Um, it also is a good background to showcase some of the challenges of immigrants. Mm-hmm. And as people are coming into new places to live, um, the, the issues have been prevalent in, in Paris. And, I, and, I, and when, we were ta- when Leslie and I were talking about this, um, when I was in Paris, I stayed in an area that's called the opera section, and um, I was about a block away from the Cadet metro station. And to be very honest, I I didn't feel comfortable at night there. Um, The hotel was not far from the Bataclan, and, uh, you know, the Bataclan was the club that was uh, attacked a couple of years ago in Paris. And uh, I believe I forget how many people were killed in that attack, and they've had they've had quite a number of uh, terrorist attacks through the last couple of years in in Paris and itself, and I you know a lot of the Parisians are getting um, rather f- fed up with with immig- immigrants coming in. They're becoming more of a nationalistic society, and. Uh, Hopefully, you know, hopefully that will turn itself around. But again, it's a, it was a scary time uh, for them. Uh, they uh, so you know you can just to set the stage of what Akasi is going to be coming into mm-hmm. while she's there. And I know Jennifer said nighttime in Paris does have a different feel. Yes. Um, and I know you've actually gotten uh, praise in the chat room for being able to pronounce everything, Pam, so no, kudos to me, you. Trust me, I try hard. <laughs> and I have a nice little app that helps, helps me as well and I practice, but I pronounce everything. But, yes. um, and the audio book also is yes. a major help on that. I agree, I agree. It, it's definitely helping me. Um, and, and, and Betty made the comment about um, having having this feeling of um, unrest um, is the same thing that's also happening here in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it is, it is true. Yeah. So, and it's a very scary time for everyone. And uh, this is something new for the Parisians is a comment that um, Karen made. So yes. I think it's an interesting, obviously we all know we're living in interesting times um, Paris has been a focal point for several terrorist attacks, so that 
will ramp up and enrage some of these anti-immigrant nationalist feelings that emerge um, when people are, are yeah, challenged or threatened. And, and it's, sadly, it's not just, you know, it's not just the United States. It's not just Paris. It is happening in other parts of the world, too. London right. being one. And uh, even Italy has it's, has had its right. share. Right. Well, and, and Jennifer Locklear made a point, and Judith said, not all, only Paris, but all of Europe. But I think mm-hmm. to your point, too, Pam, it, it, is, it is worldwide. Um, Jennifer said the armed patrols in Paris were heart-wrenching, even though I knew they were needed. Um, and I, you know, I can attest in the time right after 9-11 in Washington, D.C., a city that I ran around freely in mm-hmm. during a summer of a college year when I was an intern, um, I was really saddened to see all the added security and all the machine guns and the guards and the snipers on the roofs. Um, but yeah. I think... I think it's time, you know, this is why, um, and it's important to have dialogue, it's important to understand and and raise the issues and discuss them. Um, and I, I think it's this kind of a backdrop, which is um, an interesting choice for SR to set his, his, book. Uh, his story mm-hmm. in. And as you were saying, um, about the first sentence of the book, Pam, mm-hmm. the man in the black suit mm-hmm. exits the limo. And I I was saying, um, Betty, this is kind of an homage to you because I actually asked SR what kind of sunglasses does the man <laughs> in the black suit wear in chapter one because I was curious and I thought to myself, this may be a question that Betty would ask because Betty asks the most detail-oriented questions of anybody, any podcaster I've listened to. And I was very excited um, that SR did respond and, of course, giving and having extreme attention to detail, um, he answered and said, for the sunglasses, Giorgio Armani, black-framed, dark lensed glasses <laughs> and Betty is laughing I thought you would like that Betty I really do um, but I you know I was curious and I wanted to kind of get a sense of what he uh, what he would be wearing exiting the limo on That's right. <laughs> on an evening in Paris <laughs> hopefully it was a warm evening uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> And not snow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so as he's walking through the uh, the room or walking through the uh, lobby of the of the hotel, he's got his hand on his phone and he's scrolling on the phone. And I did ask the, for the phone because I didn't know whether he was going to be using an iPhone or a, a Virtu. I think that was used in Fifty Shades Freed that Anna and Christian had. And which is like a ten thousand dollar phone, and uh, it turns out it's an iPhone. SR did ask that too. Um, but he's going through his, he's swiping the screen, and he, he all of a sudden he jabs the phone, and he's he's yelling that he has to freeze Silka's accounts and change the locks in her flat. And apparently, Silka is someone that he has been carrying on a relationship with, and she has done something that has uh, 
violated the terms of her agreement. Again, another contract with a man. I mean, come on. Um, in the most egregious way possible. And she knows what she has done. So it's, as he ended his call, he's walking through the lobby to the reservations desk. And he's uh, removed the sunglasses now. And he's uh, got the body of a professional athlete. <sighs> I know. He's floating along here. Um, <laughs> he had dark hair and he had large, dark eyes. And he's a lean, athletic machine. <laughs> and he uh, enters the hotel. And actually, I was, I was looking at some of the comments here that um, Judith just mentioned uh, as we were wrapping up going back to the book she did mention that there is a challenge and problem in europe countries open the door for immigrants but don't give the po them possibilities to acclim acclimate and it's kind of a segregated society sadly yes. and i think i think we're seeing this everywhere mm -hmm. um but i also think this is the story of humanity right i think yeah. we can see these examples throughout our history That's true. um our global history, and we just have to keep in mind the lessons we need to learn from mm -hmm. that history. So and Jennifer seems to think that her Nicholas is Sergio Pankov, who turns out to be from Brazil. Does Mog know that? <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell Jennifer what happens in this chat room. Stays it in the stays chat room. Stays in the chat room, <laughs> especially when you're at work listening. <laughs> Exactly. So, um, the man in the black suit enters the hotel. Mm -hmm. Celine greets him and looks directly into his eyes and <laughs> welcomes him into the hotel. He seemed to be looking for something, though, and he marches over to the concierge desk and is looking for Marcel. Um, he was very, very demanding about seeing Marcel, and uh, the person at the desk, who happens to be Acacia, uh, was saying that he was not available, but that she uh, would be happy to help him. And Pam and I both have worked at hotels, so uh, the character of Acacia kind of speaks to both of us in, in understanding what it's like to work in a in a hotel setting mm -hmm. and working with guests and providing hospitality. And yes. we both were saying that um, typically you wouldn't share the details. If, if a staff member is not available, you would be very um, gracious and let them know that they're not available, but you're being happy to help. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. I, you know, I, my experience was I was working reservation desk at a uh, hotel on the Jersey Shore and uh, for the summer, and it was the hotel that my uncle had worked in for 27 years, and um, he was very well known because there were a lot of guests that would repeat guests, and uh, so I, I wanted to spend the summer at his house, so they gave me the job there for the summer, and people would come up and want to know about him. So the general manager sat me down and asked if it was okay, number one, if they wanted to talk to me, was it okay for me to go out to talk to them? 
if I would be okay with that, which I was. But also, do you want us to let us let them know that he has passed away? And uh, you know, which so I th if if I hadn't been there, they probably would have done it in a roundabout way as opposed to what I did. But yes, I mean, they you know, so it's it's not unlikely that when when he's asking for Marcel and she's just found out that he's been you know in an accident or been hurt that uh she's not gonna she's not gonna put a lot of talk into that she's not gonna tell tell the tell anybody too much absolutely and on. and as what as some of our friends are saying in the chat room that uh first of all um many people were looking up uh jennifer's recommendation of sergio pankoff and many of them agree that he um is a nice pick, as Joni said. And Betty has another question, which I think maybe we'll pose to SR and see if we can get the answer to, okay. which is, I wonder what song would play in the background when Pierre walks into the hotel. So I think that's something we can check in with the boss and mm -hmm. see what he thinks. Um, and Judith said um, he was famous and he would be right there before don't worry that's not the song that's playing in the hotel lobby uh <laughs> that's that's the phone in case you heard some background there um and i see kez is heading out have she's good, hitting the road work. have, have a, a wonderful day wonderful day at work kez um safe travels and we'll talk to you next week so I think, um, Betty, we will check on that song for you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, as, as Acacia is trying to help him out and getting information from him, she looks up and actually notices the scar mm -hmm. on his face. And But she also asks what the man's name is. Yes. yes. Pierre Breckman. Pierre Breckman. I, when I, and, I, I when I first read the book and I'm looking at it, I'm like Pierre Breckman, who the hell is Pierre Breckman? So I never mentioned anybody by that name. I know, but you kind of knew, right? You kind of have to know because he was the man in the black suit, which you would assume yes. was Nicholas, because you knew well, I, well, the. Well, listen, May. At the time I was reading, did he change the name of the character? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. So the she was speaking to him in French and he obviously uh, was responding to her and being very adamant about speaking with Marcel. Right. And she was putting him off. Putting him she off. was putting him off. Uh, she was looking um into the records to see about a meeting, this meeting that would have been scheduled by Marcel. And she was offering to reserve a salon and he wanted nothing to do with that. He was very adamant about speaking to Marcel. Mm -hmm. um, and she happened, like I had mentioned, to notice at the left side of his face. Mm -hmm. And there was a really really very noticeable scar 
on his face, which was very jarring considering his elegance. Mm-hmm. What I, I love the line when, when she was, says, I'm sorry, it says, keep your eyes on my accounts. I'm not sure you, you won't find them repulsive. Yes. Yes. And, um, and in fa- Yes, Jennifer, go ahead. Jennifer thought, <laughs> thought he reminded her of, of, of Gabriel at that point. Yes, and Judith thought the scar made her think of the Phantom, the mm-hmm. Phantom of the Opera. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hadn't so. thought of that one. Mm-hmm. But that's that. true. That's true. And I think, um, I think that's very interesting. Um, and I, my sense is, you know, he was very terse, and he was very. Oh, there, Jennifer just said mm-hmm. she thought. About the terseness and the impatience reminded her of the professor. And I was telling, I I told Leslie earlier, I said, I really didn't like this man at this Mm -hmm. point. I thought he was rude and obnoxious. Right. And I know that, um, again, I, I remember that's how a lot of people took the character of Gabriel when they first read him in those early chapters as well. Um, which is very interesting. So, and Acacia keeps trying. She sees the bodyguard next to him and was trying to keep a professional rapport with Mm -hmm. the guest and noticed that he booked a table at Guy Savoy. I don't know whether you just, uh, on Twitter this morning, I sent out to SR, good morning, would you like some brioche and coffee? And he happened to notice that it was, uh, the brioche had, was from Guy Savoy's, uh, not the restaurant, he has like little shops with, that sell the brioche and, and pastries and stuff as well. And I, he said, they're very good. And I said, you know, as much as I enjoyed the brioche in Paris, I didn't get to that one, so... And um, Betty was saying that she was shocked with the reaction about how rude he was. Mm -hmm. Um, And Judith referenced about how he's talking to Silke. Yeah. But I think that's probably why he was very agitated on whatever he saw on his phone. Mm -hmm. And that put him in a really nasty frame of mind. Yeah, I'm sure. And, you know, following up on the the image of, that you posted today, Pam, uh, that was another question that I had for SR. Mm-hmm. I was curious why Guy Savoy. And as I emailed him, I asked him, I, saying that this restaurant's 3,775 miles from my house. <laughs> did you actually dine there or how did you select it um, for this scene? And he said that Guy Savoy is a famous chef. He trained Gordon Ramsay and has a restaurant in Las Vegas as well as in Paris. Uh, The Paris restaurant's located in the building that houses the former French mint on the banks of the Seine. And uh, I can imagine that the brioche in Paris, as Judith mentioned, um, is fantastic. So are the macaroons, by the way. <laughs> I haven't been to Paris yet, but I hope to be. And, and they they sell the mac 
macaroons on, um, like they do soft pretzels in the United States. Mm-hmm. You, you can find them almost anywhere. Um, yes. But yeah. Right, so that the geese of oil will be on my next trip. <laughs> that, that sounds great. <laughs> so. so then he notices her as we go through and after she asks him about Guy Savoy. You know, one of the things I, restaurants like that, um, my husband used to call it white glove service. When you go into a restaurant that's, uh, you sit down and there's like about a gazillion forks and on one side and another gazillion knives on the other and then you're alternating spoons and forks above you and um, I when I was I guess it was around my 45th or 46th 40th birthday I'm sorry around my 40th birthday my husband took me to Ireland for two weeks and it was he surprised me with a one night at Ashford Castle in uh, County Mayo and that's like a, a major spot, Jamie Dornan was there for a wedding not too long ago, if you read the gossip brags. Um, <laughs> but it was, they also filmed the movie The Quiet Man there, and it was just really cool to see all the different sites, the buildings that they used, the grounds, the golf course was used as the part where John Wayne is dragging Maureen O'Hara across the field. And that kind of stuff. And but he, we had dinner in the restaurant that night, and we got all got nicely dressed, and we go in, and we're in this, you know, everything is set up for you. It's beautiful, and I'm drinking wine. My husband didn't drink, and so they brought a bottle of wine, and they set it up so it will breathe. And we're talking, and now I want a glass of wine. You know, I mean, I'm at home. I'd be pouring the glass, and so I pick the bottle up. I go to pour a glass. Well, I had this poor waiter come racing across the room oh no madame madame no 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 let me let me and i was so embarrassed i mean it was like you know you can take you can take the girl out of new york but you can't put her in a, in a fancy restaurant <laughs> because so i can imagine is that's what it was what was what it was like so. uh, i can only imagine it would be a really extraordinary experience. Mm-hmm. It was. And and just the best service. Mm-hmm. The best that it could be. I see that Lily's joined us. Hey, Lily. Um, she said, it's been a bad time for me that she's sorry she's late, but she hopes we're having a great show. And Judith actually posted the link for the uh, Guy Savoy in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So. I have to get there have to get there at some point in time so we're you know we're we, the other thing she's asking about uh the uh the restaurant reservation and as he's looking at her she he notices he starts to notice her he starts to notice how she has these uh, bu- uh brilliant intelligent hazel eyes and how tan her skin is and uh you know what her black curly hair and how she wore it in a bob and you know he kind of I think he, he kind of uh, finds her rather attractive and uh, then proceeds to tell her that Marcel said he would be on duty 
and exactly and, it, and she, she mentions that she'd been called in to replace them and uh, he asks why and so he tells she begins to tell him right she was giving him all of the different credentials and the fact that she was part of Le Clay d'Or and I asked SR about Le Clay d'Or and the organization um, and I asked him how he learned of it or how he why he referenced this as well as if he happened to know anyone with this designation and he said that Le Clay d'Or is an internationally known organization of concierge. Many concierge at fine hotels have membership in the organization and it's a mark of excellence. So, you know, he's staying true. He's doing his research as always mm -hmm. since, since he's a really good writer and, uh, Very good show, at research. <laughs> <laughs> showing that that is, uh, in fact, the, the level of service at the hotel has, um, really extraordinary um, expectations of their con concierge. Um, and that's why she was sent in Marcel's place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and Lily's bringing some <laughs> the some good discussion into the chat room, yes. <laughs> she fell in love with the book. <laughs> And they were talking about the about, the ex uh, Silke, and, yes, and, and that the fact he's uh, Nicholas, or at this point, as we know him as uh, Pierre, mm. is a warm-blooded alpha. That he is. That he is. <laughs> yes, Lily, this is quite a serious show, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think you know us better than that, uh -huh. buddy. Oh, so. so so now he's insisting upon the fact that he wants Marcel there. Come hell or high water, he wants Marcel. So she, right. you know, she she just sort of goes off on her own thing, <laughs> right. saying that uh, he couldn't be reached, but that he arranged for champagne and fruits to be delivered to your suite, and he noted your allergy to, to strawberries. Shall I arrange <laughs> your your break, usual breakfast for tomorrow morning? So he's kind of responding to her. He says, I asked you about Marcel, and you reply with strawberries. Has Marcel <laughs> he was, left the country? <laughs> yeah. He was not. He, he was not pleased. He was on a, he was on a mission for Marcel. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. That he was. That he was. Mm -hmm. So, so he, gets, he gets rather upset. And... Uh, she says, Mr. Beckman, I would be more than happy to. So he stands up. He says, I'll tell the manager to find Marcel and send him to my suite. And he, she, he's going over to talk to Celine about that. And uh, she says, it says, the concierge on duty seems to have difficulty fulfilling the simplest request I asked for. Marcel, no less than four times. And he's not there. You know, so and then he's going off towards the elevator. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's not an easy job when you're in, in hospitality or any, any kind of industry like that where you have to take guff from people and you're trying to do your very best that you can do and you've been obviously awarded by, by the concierge association to do something and now you get somebody who, who 
gets off and says, I just don't want to deal with this anymore. And goes off to right. As Lily says, he's a grumpy patron. Yes. And Betty noted no strawberries covered with chocolate for Pierre. No. Oh, no. And better yet, you put the strawberry in the champagne for him. <laughs> exactly. And, and exactly. just make sure you have the EpiPen handy. <laughs> so maybe that'll teach him a lesson. Mm-hmm. So. And Judith was saying when he asked after Marcel, he found out about Silke. And now Marcel, um, there's kind of obstacles in his business. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which probably added to his frustration yes. and aggra- aggravation. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Lily says it's still not an excuse to treat people like that. And Lorraine said, I would need to drink excessively. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and trust me, Lorraine, based on my experience in the hospitality industry, the people who work <laughs> at the hotels do drink excessively. <laughs> and, and Jen says Off he can, duty. He, Jen says Pierre can borrow her EpiPen. <laughs> 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 so obviously the staff is um, noticing all this undue attention that um, was being cast upon Acacia. Celine gave her a smug look. Paul, the other reservation agent, seemed pretty amused uh, about the fact that he was really unhappy with her. Mm-hmm. And... Um, she chose to ignore the reactions to the desk staff because she outranked them. Um, but they just seemed to be enjoying her embarrassment a bit too much. Yeah, and she's hiding. I mean, it's one of those moments where you find the, the, the closest piece of dust to hide under because you just get so embarrassed, you know? Yes. Or leave yes. or something. So. Well, and, and I had um, reached out and asked SR the question about um, why Celine and Paul enjoyed the fact that Acacia was being called out by Breckman. Why? Mm-hmm. Um, was it jealousy that she had a higher ranking um, or was it racism? And uh, Betty says that they're bad at coworkers. Yes. <laughs> um, but S- SR's reaction um, really la- lend itself and it does make sense he says a concierge is more like a manager because of their role Uh, they get to interact directly with guests and report to the manager they also have incredible networks of contacts and a level of prestige in addition a fine concierge uh, will be rewarded by generous gratuities so for several reasons a desk agent which is the position that both Celine and Paul hold would be jealous of the position Mm -hmm. So, nevertheless, it's not a fun time for Acacia. And <laughs> Betty says that Paul needs a time out. <laughs> a few of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Nani says, says they were acting just like Krista. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And Ava. And Ava. Don't tell Samia, though. Don't tell Samia. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so, and, you know, so now she, knew, she knows she's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And, you know, her co-workers are enjoying her embarrassment. And she knows that uh, she's in trouble. So she turned to face the manager's office to get ready uh, to, for, to, for it to all come down on her. And, uh, but she didn't know how much. I, and that's the end of chapter, chapter one. one. So. 
Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so there, She's you know, walking into the fire. Yes, she is. You know, there was a good was a good introduction to both the, the some of the reasoning behind Nicholas's being and also to his meeting with Acacia. I think I think just meeting her the way he did and mm-hmm. noticing her, but being the bastard that he was 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 interesting. It was an interesting dynamic. Right. And some of the folks in the chat room were saying, uh, Lorraine said she thought she took it as jealousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer said that it was not worthy of the name Paul, right, Betty? Which I thought was funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lily likes the way we say her name. Thank <laughs> you, Lily. Um, Judith said she really can't react because she can't afford to. And that's absolutely mm-hmm. that's right. True. Because when you're in that industry, especially in any kind of customer service or customer interfacing role, you have to be professional mm-hmm. and you have to really um, meet the needs of the guests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and Jennifer said, let's not forget that Acacia held her composure despite the heart treatment. That's and that's true. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Because she prides herself on being a professional. Absolutely. Um, so Absolutely. I thought it was a really, really good introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joni says she likes Acacia, liked Acacia right away. Um, I feel like, I, I mean, I think most everybody that I've uh, heard or seen comments about um, really does like the character. Um, she's a very strong, mm-hmm. um, caring and really is committed to excellence. And, and I fierce. think And fierce. I think. And fierce. Although I don't think her fierceness comes out yet. No. Not yet. But it will. It will. <laughs> so just want to remind you, our next podcast will be covering Chapter 2 next week. Mm-hmm. Wednesday, March 7th. March 7th, at, again at 5 uh, New York time. Yes. Yes. And... Um, Another thing I wanted to say is that we have heard you, you know, we've, we, you know, a lot of people have set, mentioned the fact of timing and everything. And some people, it's difficult, especially in parts of Europe and in the Middle East and, and Australia in particular to join the timing of our podcast. So we've, we've talked about it. We've decided we're going to add a monthly program so that it, will appear like on a Friday night at a different time that's more amenable to a lot of other people but also it would be a sort of a summary of the what we've done for the for the month and getting everything together so uh, keep a lookout for that I believe our first one we're going to do is on March 16th which also coincides with Acacia's birthday she's born on March 17th but I have word that Nicholas is taking her off somewhere to celebrate her birthday. And uh, <laughs> Although March, se- March 17th will be happening on, in some parts of the world. It will be March 17th that's true. when we're doing the show. That's true. So. And Lily says that's awesome. Lorraine says Thank that's you. great. Um, Jennifer noted that she'll be getting ready to leave for Houston, Texas, but she'll try to make it depends on her work schedule. And that okay. might be for next week. I have to look to see when that book event is that she's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Betty says, yay. So we're hopeful, we're hopeful, you know, this will help include those who, I mean, the people who love these books are all around the world. So we're really hoping this will enable 
you know, Kev, Samia, some of the people who've reached out to us, Susie and who is in Adelaide, Australia. Um, you know, we're just hopeful that we'll be able to, uh, have, have more participation, um, from people all over, all over the globe. Yeah. So, and that, that, that's the point of this. So, yeah. So just keep an eye out for the, uh, birthday celebration and when, when that will be opening happenings and yet for the timing, because I think we're still in the, trying to work out the particulars on that. Yes. Yes. And as we're wrapping up the show, um, I wanted to uh, share an idea. Uh, Pam and I have discussed this, and uh, we're going to start a trend. We're going to start a little weekly uh, wrap-up every week, um, reflecting on moments of gratitude. And it's going to be um, it's a segment uh, that I thought we could do to kind of have a nice way to wrap up the show. Um, it's actually something my husband and I did while we were teaching eighth grade uh, CCD classes at church. Um, we asked the kids to keep a gratitude journal um, and asked if there were people who'd want to share what they were thankful for every week. Um, and I thought what we could do is it can be even something weekly, it could be something daily, it could be something huge in your life, it could be something very small. But if you come across something that you're grateful for and thankful for, um, just send a tweet during the week with a special hashtag, um, SR Affirmations, and we'll be putting this out on Twitter as well and on the Facebook page. Um, And then we'll read them at the end of the show. So we're hoping that we get to see many, many SR Affirmations as uh, you go throughout the week. And my first as- affirmation that I will put out there is that I'm really thankful for everybody listening and all of the fans and friends in the community around the globe. Yes. And, you know, and it's also great to be able to do this and to be able to share SR's work. Absolutely. And yes, the uh, Friday updates will be on, on Mixer Lily. Yes, we're going to do, we're going to do, um, every, all five podcasts per month. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll be once weekly and then one, uh, an extra one on Fridays every once a month. So, yes. So this one will be more, the first one will be March 16th. So. Right. Our first m- monthly worldwide, <laughs> worldwide wrap up or however we're going to, whatever we're going to call it will, will <laughs> we'll be then. So. Anyway, so we, we hope you all have a great week. And don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at the TMI ITBS uh, on or PAMEL4155 or Leslie. At LOA717. Yes. And uh, so we hope to hear from you. Um, so again, we hope you all have a good week and we'll catch up all again on Wednesday. Yay. Yes. Have a great weekend. Have a good one. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. And if you do, do not name it after me, please. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, everyone.